Hello, comrades. Welcome back to another installment of Those Who Wonder, or if this is your first time listening, welcome. Thanks for listening. I got a question for you. When was the last time you did school? And I don't mean like you literally went to school, but you did what school is supposed to do, and that is learn. And I'm not saying like just Googling a random fact because you're having a discussion or debate with someone and you want to learn something, but like from start to finish, like you learned American history, or you learned about the Civil War, or you learned how to play the banjo. When it was the last time you did school, and sometimes for some people, that word school, just like, ugh, school sucked, I didn't learn anything. That is entirely fair. I read about a study where um, this group of students in a biology class took the final let's say in the spring semester they took this final and the average was like a B minus, which as a teacher, I'd be fairly content with that. And then the summer happens. Students in that class just do whatever they do in the summer, work, play, whatever. Come back in the fall of the next year, they take that same class and give them the same final. Guess what the average was? An F. So maybe we didn't learn much in school. But the process of learning stuff, like what? After you are done with school, we enter usually enter into the workforce, and then a lot of times people just learn whatever it is you have to learn, either skill or knowledge or both, for work. And like that's good, but when was the last time that you like schooled yourself in the positive way? Obviously, you sat down and you learned something. That's what this podcast series is going to be about. It's essentially, how can we become students of life, but also how can you consciously learn more things and develop yourself, and in the end, make life more interesting, but also become a student of the game, and the game's life and the world, and your place in it. You wake up every day, and you gotta go through it, right? How can we be conscious observers and adapt to our environment? and learn more about life. I think that is essentially wisdom, and that's the end goal. If you don't wanna be wise, don't listen to the podcast, I guess. If that's something that interests you and you're just interested in thinking about thinking, so like I'm not teaching you necessarily any content, we're working on our ability to think and analyze and evaluate and like how to make that process of understanding more efficient and then what we can do with that information. So if that interests you, welcome. This episode of Those Who Wonder is once again brought to you by that's w- that water that is filtered through the beans, and yes, that's coffee, fueling an entire nation. The process is curiosity plus objectivity equals or leads to understanding, and understanding when reflected upon leads to wisdom. And that is the end goal in Those Who Wonder. We're seeking out wisdom 
and we'll discuss why we're seeking out wisdom when we get to wisdom. Uh, but we're focusing on thinking. So your brain, I like to think of your brain like as a muscle, as in like you can work out your brain and become better at thinking. Thinking is a skill. Now, um, I, I guess a word for it could be intelligence. We all vary in regards to our intelligence. Um, but I'm going to make an argument here that if you become more curious, that will improve your intelligence. So I'm going to ask three questions in this podcast episode. First one being, how much of intelligence is decided by genetics? The second one, why does curiosity improve intelligence? And then the third one, how does one become more curious? So what is intelligence? Intelligence, we're just going to go with a base definition, okay, that intelligence is the ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. So this isn't just learning information, as in like random facts, it's also, we're going to go with skills, so like your ability to play the banjo, and I say play the banjo because there's a banjo sitting in this room right now that I haven't touched in like a year, because I got annoyed with the process of learning how to play the banjo, because it's annoying. All right, but skills or knowledge. Your intelligence, intelligence is your ability to acquire and then apply that knowledge or skills. So I don't think it's that crazy to say that intelligence varies amongst humans. You have genuinely smart people. You have genuinely stupid people that are alive. Now, the question is, how much of it is decided by genetics or nature and nurture? Um, and before we get into that, um, just a little bit deeper on intelligence. There are obviously different types of intelligence. Um, so the elements of intelligence that we are going to be looking at and considering would be your ability to reason, your ability to plan out things, your ability to solve problems, to think abstractly, so like bigger picture, and your ability to com to understand complex ideas. Um, I thought this quote from this guy, Dr. Gardner, who is a Harvard psychologist, um, does a good job summarizing and like having us consider the different types of intelligence. So this is from the theory of multiple intelligence. This is on the theory. I teach at Harvard and 150 years ago, the entrance exams were in Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. If, for example, you were dyslexic, that would be very difficult because it would be hard for, for you to learn those languages, which are basically written languages. Now, mathematical and emotional intelligences are more important in society, Gardner says. While your IQ, which is sort of language logic, will get you behind the desk, if you don't know how to deal with people, if you don't know how to read yourself, if you're going to end up just staying at that desk forever or eventually being asked to make room for somebody who does have social or emotional intelligence. So you could be incredibly intelligent in regards to like memorizing things or let's say being very intelligent at mathematics and it makes sense for you and your ability to acquire and apply mathematics is above average. But your emotional intelligence and your ability to acquire information about people and like read people, I would say that's more of a skill, could be lacking. So there are different types of intelligence. The whole like right brain, left brain, um, that's not like literal, like you don't, it's, there's many different aspects of your brain. So it's not just like cut in half, your brain is incredibly complicated. But intelligence, there are different types. So you could be really emotionally intelligent and your ability to read people and interact with people, but you could also be stupid at, <laughs> and like, I'm 
I'm just going to say stupid, and hopefully you don't find that offensive. And you know what I mean. You lack intelligence, if that makes you feel better. You lack intelligence at, I don't know, music, art, mathematics, right? Some people are good at some things, and others aren't good at others. And that was kind of a stupid way of saying it, but... I mean, that makes sense, right? We sh It would be difficult if everyone was only good at math and we all lacked at, I don't know, street smarts or your ability to build, like working with your hands. Like that's a type of intelligence that I'm okay at. Like I kind of lack at that. I think I'm better at like creativity, right? It's good that some people are good at one thing and others are good at another so we can, as a collective whole, thrive. So we need each other and these different types of intelligences. Now, the question is, how much of intelligence is decided by your genetics, as in nature and nurture? So are people just purely born smart at blank mathematics, or are people just purely born intelligent and some people are not as intelligent? And so that's nature. The nurture aspect is, can intelligence be nurtured or developed? Can we increase someone's intelligence? And when we're saying intelligence, we're saying, can we increase or improve someone's ability to acquire and apply knowledge? As a teacher, that is my job. So I would argue yes, right? The nature and nurture aspect, like my, I talked to my wife about nature and nurture a fair amount because that's just some of the discussions we have. She majored in psychology. She always says, it's both. I would totally agree. It's both. Nature and nurture in pretty much all things. You are a split between nature and nurture. Uh, researchers have looked at families and the intelligence amongst the people in the family. And So again, that would obviously be genetics. And then they look at like adopted children and then twins. Um, and the studies suggest that Genetics is responsible for about 50% of intelligence amongst individuals. So that supports, and I got this, if I'm going to cite my sources, got this from Big Think. Um, so essentially, some of your ability to acquire knowledge or skills is genetic. As in, if you have smart parents, the child is more likely to be intelligent. And like that will pass on. Now that's, again, that's 50%. So that means that nurture and can we develop intelligence, nurture is another aspect in it. So um, I got this also from Big Think. Factors related to a child's home environment and parenting, education and availability of learning resources and nutrition among others all contribute to intelligence. Um, I was just talking to an elementary teacher, shout out to Grace, um, and I had shout out to Nikki Donato, my instructional coach at where I work, um, dropped some knowledge and Grace is an elementary school teacher and like she fully supports this, that if a child is not at the grade reading level by third grade, they are most likely never going to reach an appropriate grade reading level. As in like, if they're not up to par by third grade, they're never gonna be fully caught up. So that, is nurture right like it depends on the teachers it depends on the classroom and even the classroom that the kids are in like if it's a classroom of a bunch of wild kids that child is less likely to get the individual attention that they may need to develop and get to the reading level of third grade so nurture is so you could have a genetically intelligent child who has like intelligent parents but with terrible environment 
and that will decrease their ability to acquire and apply knowledge or skills. I think that makes sense. Or vice versa, you could have a child who like the intelligence is nurtured as in they learned how like Kendra, my wife, was able to read but like I think by the time she even got to kindergarten, like could read fairly well. So it was just completely boring for her because that was nurtured at a young age. Like she had older siblings who again, butterfly effect out of her control, had older siblings who would teach her how to read. But her ability to acquire reading and apply it was developed. That's nurture and mixed with nature. Okay. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about intelligence. How much of it is genetic? I feel that I've just supported. You can comment or DM me if you think I didn't, that it is not just genetic. So you're not just born smart. You're not just born stupid. You're not just born in between. There is an aspect of intelligence that can be developed. Now, my argument here is that curiosity is the key. So I'm going to give you an analogy that we're going to work with when I say we, I mean me, and then I'm going to talk and you will hopefully listen and interact, like as in thinking thoughts in your own head, responding, asking questions, saying, I disagree with that. I agree with that. That means you're thinking. So you're not just like mindlessly consuming what I'm saying. You're actually thinking. So this analogy I'm going to be giving of a house, uh, there's a little precursor. I learned about this girl named Jeannie. I don't think that was her actual name, but that was the name that a lot of researchers gave her. But this girl, Jeannie, um, from birth to 13 years old was by her father, I believe, was locked in a room. She was also physically restrained. Like when she had to go to the bathroom, she could go to the toilet and she was even like tied onto the toilet. But so she was for 13 years isolated in a room, essentially. She'd never learned a language. I'm sure she had a language in her own head. I mean, it was, she had to have, right? Like it's just thoughts. So like if she's thinking then that like, it might not even be audible language, but like even just grunts and noises develop meaning. And that's a whole side thing about like what language is. We'll get into that when we get into another series I'm gonna be doing, but she's locked in a room for 13 years. Um, and I'm not equating Jeannie's experience to like anything. Um, what happened to her was terrible, but it got me thinking about something. Her known universe, as in like, because this was from birth to 13, like post 13 things changed, but her known universe was that room. As in, let's say this happened and I'll just throw Jersey under the bus cause I grew up in Jersey, so I don't offend anyone else. But let's say this happened in New Jersey in her eyes and her consciousness and again Sonder, like she's living a vivid and complex life she her known universe is that room like perhaps she has a window and she can look out in the window and like look at a street but she's making sense of the entire world just through that room now we know that there was a we'll call it a universe outside of that room we know that while she was in there like pennsylvania exists and China exists, and like things were happening outside of that universe, she was not aware of that. As in, so like everything she understood about the world was that room. And that got me thinking. 
That is similar to our brains and us in general. As in, like, I think of, I was thinking like, oh, genie in that room is kind of like humans on planet Earth. And like the universe is trucking huge. And so like what we think we know about the universe and our understanding of the universe to what like it actually is, is, I mean, it's probably the scale is much different, but it's like genie in the room. Genie's in a room in New Jersey. That's all she knows. But there are a billion people in China that like she's not even aware of exist. Could be the same. Like this is similar to there's undiscovered people in the Amazon rainforest who are living lives that are like 10,000 years back in human history. Like they have huts and they're, they don't even know that the world outside of where, whatever they're aware of exists. So like there was a really interesting video. This plane was like a mile away and had a really nice camera that could zoom in and it zoomed in on them. And like they saw the plane and were like pointing at it. And this one guy like went and threw it. I think he threw a spear at her or he had his like bow cocked back and he was like going to shoot a bow at it. I mean, like these people see a plane to them. They don't know what a plane is like. So that's just a really weird looking and strange sounding bird. Right. Anywho. So the point being that genies in the room or the people are in the Amazon rainforest. Like they're, they have this universe with boundaries, but there is something beyond it. And I feel that the same can be said about one, our intelligence and our ability to think as in there's boundaries to our ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. There's a door that can move past those boundaries. Like we are, again, because there's nurture in intelligence, we are able to develop and improve or extend the boundaries of our ability to think and our consciousness, as well as there are boundaries to our knowledge and skills, but that can be developed. So two things, our ability to acquire the knowledge and skills, and then like the um, amount of knowledge or skills, the boundaries can be extended. So I thought of a house. Let the house represent both, but for now, let's just go with our knowledge of the universe. When you're a child, as a child, like you would, like you crawl around, like you're always curious and you're trying to like touch things and you put things in your mouth and you're, you put your hand on the hot stove and you learn not to do that. But you're all, and you're always asking questions like why? And it gets annoying after a while where like there's rocks and you flip the rocks over, right? You are born curious. You kind of need to be because you have to make sense of your surrounding world if you're going to survive. You are naturally curious. And I, I would argue we are all naturally curious now the level of curiosity could vary but when you grow up like you are trying to learn because your brain is developing so imagine imagine this house you can imagine your own house or i just envision i guess i envisioned my house that i grew up in from a child from like a baby you're crawling around and exploring all the different corners of the house okay that is like your map of the universe your uh, your awareness of the universe and life itself and the world and then your place in it you look in the mirror and like try to understand yourself you are curious you're crawling around you're looking in every nook and cranny of the house is that it is it nook and cranny i feel like i feel like that might be wrong but oh well right you are curious as you get older we explore less and less and less and then we like maybe just chill in two rooms and that like that is supposed to represent 
you go through school and you learn and you learn and like perhaps school completely annihilates the curiosity because at some point it seems that students become a lot less curious like I deal with high schoolers they are they're curious but they're also lazy and like they're curious if you can turn that on and then like they remember how interesting it was to learn new things but I don't know and I would love to do more research on this I don't know how much can be blamed on these public school system or just the school system in general for uh i'll go extreme here destroying their curiosity and how much is like the developing brain where like we just naturally become less curious as we get older i don't know it's probably a mixture of both the public school system does not do a good job and it's getting better at um developing curiosity that's for another podcast but you go through school and then you get into the workforce and then if you remember the moment podcast with the basal ganglia and going on autopilot you just live your life and that's like the boundaries of like what's required for your life are smaller like when you're in school you're learning like chemistry physics all this random stuff and you're like learning new skills you're playing sports like you're trying new things and then you get in the comfort of life and like you need to know everything you need to know for work you need to know how to interact with people and like the requirements are less because like you're doing the same thing every day for an extended period of time. So in regards to the house, you're in like a room or two. Okay. You get comfortable with that. And that's like necessarily in order to survive, that's all you need. And like you could live your life in those two rooms, just wake up, get out of the bed, go get your food and then go back to your room. But like that house, the house is still large enough for you to explore but you, you stop doing it and you forget what is in around the house and not only that like the boundaries outside of the house like there's a whole universe of things that you could understand and see and learn about but you don't need to so your knowledge is getting smaller that's if you allow it to be the case i'm going to argue that there is a door there's a door outside of the house and then this is where we get like dimensions and this is like your ability to think there's a door outside of the house and then there's a door on the ceiling so the x as in like the up and down the vertical is your ability to think so like you can increase your intelligence as in, in your ability to process that's a door on the ceiling there's also a door outside of the house where you can improve your ability the amount of skills you have or the amount of knowledge that you have. What is the key to the door? The key to the door is curiosity. You don't have to open the door. You can survive without opening the door on the ceiling, which opens up a whole lot of stuff, or the door outside, or even the door out of your room. However small the boundaries are, you can go further. You don't have to. Curiosity is the only thing that opens up that door. Why? Because you ask yourself, you see the door, and then you ask yourself, what's behind that door? That's curiosity. And we're going to get into like, what is curiosity? But right, like, think of 10-year-old you or even like 5-year-old you. Curiosity killed the cat. If there's like a, a door in a room and then... Like a kid's gonna ask, like, what's what's beyond that door? But then 
like maybe you never open the door maybe like and if you do you open the door and like your knowledge of the universe has expanded and there's another door eventually you're just like ah it's it's a door and you know it's a door you never know what's on the other side because you just stop asking the only way that those doors will be opened is through curiosity and you have to ask yourself what's beyond that and in my okay analogy there's again the two aspects the horizontal as in the amount of knowledge or skills you have you can keep opening the door and learning more about world history biology all these different things that you can learn right that is like acquiring new knowledge or there's the vertical and as i said i think there's a door on a ceiling for some people that door may be like surrounded by a hornet's nest and it's like welded shut the door can be opened for some people like all you gotta do is just turn the knob and like you're just naturally curious like oh nice and you can like easily move up um i think of a puzzle and like this is an example of like the levels to curiosity okay think of the puzzle as in a way to represent intelligence as in your ability to acquire information um you're given a puzzle are you able to just use a step-by-step instruction and like it literally tells you like first do this 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 if you can follow that that's like a very basic level of intelligence right that's just acquiring the knowledge but what's the next step if we're talking about puzzling and intelligence to puzzle the first step is like for and this is like the teaching aspect i give you a puzzle i give you the instructions like here's how you do it go through that experience that okay the next step is I'm going to give you a puzzle and I'm not going to give you any instructions. The curious person, and I'm, go, I'm going to say like, finish the puzzle. The curious person is going to be like, okay, um, I don't really know, necessarily know how, I, like I don't have any instructions, but a curious person is going to be like, well, how would I get this done? And then you're developing ideas and you're thinking and you're like, maybe I'll try this. No, that didn't work. Maybe I'll try this. Well, what did I do last time? Uh, I Okay, the instructions had me start with like the four corners and then like do all the outside pieces. I'm going to do that, right? So you're now working on the puzzle without the instructions. So like that's the next level of your puzzling intelligence, let's say. Your ability to puzzle is to do it, is to apply previous knowledge to the next thing. That comes with curiosity because a non-curious person will be like, I don't know how to do it and I don't care. And they'll stop, right? And there, I, as a teacher, I experience that a lot. Catch me on the wrong day. Give me a puzzle, like figure this out. And like, you're not going to, it's difficult. I'm like, I don't feel like doing that. Right now, what's the next step? The first step was you give me a puzzle with instructions. I figured out the second step was I don't have any instructions in front of me, but I apply what I previously learned to complete the puzzle. The third step is can I create a more efficient and effective way to solve this puzzle that wasn't taught to me? As in, I'm now creating ideas. That is intelligence. Like, that is the higher level of intelligence. And that's curiosity. I could, you could give me a puzzle and I could say like, okay, I know how to do this because this was taught to me and I'm just going to do exactly how it was taught to me. But the more curious person is going to say, is there a better way to do this? That's moving up. That's moving up in your intelligence. And like there, we're going to get into, when we get into understanding, there's levels of understanding. And I'm going to apply educational theory and what I understand about how to teach and like how to learn 
Two, can we effectively learn something and become more efficient in learning things and then like get to the next step? The highest step, according to Bloom's taxonomy, is creating. The first step is give me the puzzle and the instructions. I'll just mindlessly do it, then apply it, and then finally create your own way. And like it could get in like the, then the fun created creativity is like create your own puzzle. But like the thinking aspect of creativity is develop a more effective way to solve the puzzle. If there is, that's being curious. Okay. What is curiosity? Curiosity is, we're going to go with a basic definition again, a strong desire to know or learn something. So what's the connection between curiosity and intelligence? Intelligence is your ability to acquire and apply new knowledge and skills. Curiosity is the desire to know or learn something. So curiosity is your desire to acquire and apply new knowledge and skills. I feel like I need, like, I don't need to talk anymore because I feel I'm right. The nurture aspect, curiosity is the key to developing and improving your ability to acquire, like the skill of thinking. Why? Because you want to know more. If you're curious, you want to solve the puzzle. Yeah, I give you a puzzle and I don't give you instructions. If you're curious and the desire to know or learn something, you're like, I don't need the instructions. Like, I can do this. If you're not curious, you're like, I don't care. Like, that. I have, I have to think. I don't want to do that. And, like, again, plenty of students who are like that. The most curious person is going to be like, okay, um, I really want to, like, I want to know the most I can about this puzzling thing. Is there a better way to do this? And you're asking yourself that question and you're trying it out. That hurts your brain. So the desire to know or better yet understand something is the key to intelligence because you want to know. So being curious means you ask questions and asking questions brings knowledge. I look at something, I say, what is that? When I ask the question, I'll get an answer, usually. Depending on the question, it might be difficult to get the answer. Depending on how curious and how desiring you are of getting the answer, you could stop, like, what is that? Like, I don't know. Uh, my phone's out of reach, I don't care anymore. Because right, you can't Google the answer. But the mo I think the most important thing is being curious means you are asking the right questions. Why? Because you genuinely want to know. This isn't like, this could be like, oh, I need to know what this is so I can move on to the next thing. But like, if you're curious, you are going to try to the best of your ability to understand something as quickly as possible and as best as possible because you want to do it. You are desiring to know more and to learn more. Knowledge or skill. So you're asking the right questions. You're not wasting time. You want to get to the bottom of things because you're curious. That practice and like doing that is going to improve your ability to acquire the knowledge. So if you want to know the knowledge, you will gain the knowledge more effectively. You don't have to be more intelligent to ask the right questions. You just have to be curious. Now, granted, those who are more naturally more intelligent, this is like the genetic aspect. If you are naturally more intelligent, acquiring the information as you're asking questions will come a lot easier. Um, but I think that skill of acquiring the knowledge can be developed 
and the curious person is asking the right question. So it doesn't really matter about intelligence necessarily for like asking the proper question. Once you ask the question, like how easily you can retain that knowledge, that is intelligence. But the non-intelligent and the intelligent person can both ask the questions. The non-intelligent person who's asking the right questions more and more and more and more when you start to ask questions you start to make more sense of the world things start to click so my argument is intelligence while it is genetic there is a, the research shows about 50 percent you can check the stats if you'd like the research shows about 50 percent the argument is that you can become more intelligent as in you can improve your ability to acquire and apply knowledge or skills if you become more curious if you desire to know or learn something or develop a skill and i feel like that's very like that's an obvious statement so i'm not really like pointing out anything crazy here if you want to learn more things you will improve your ability to one you'll like the horizontal thing you will be like what's past that door and like you'll open the door and like okay this is what it is and you like walk around look at things right and you're like making sense of it and you now understand what it is that is representing of like the whole world and there's so like if the world is a web there are so many different variables to life and the universe there's so many different things to learn. Like there's no way you can learn even with just like history. And I try not to talk about history all the time, but there are so many facts and pieces of information in regards to history that it's overwhelming and there's no way you can learn all of it. But like, so that could be encouraging. Like your journey of understanding the history of the world will literally never stop if you are on that path. You'll never know everything about the world. Like, I don't I don't desire to know everything about everything that's ever happened. I like learning about things that interest me. But like even not even just history. I like learning about music. I like learning about um, environmental things. So like animals and ecosystems. Um, I like learning about science. I like learning about law social studies predominantly like psychology i like learning about things like how the brain works right the fields and things you can learn about are endless it's the universe like it doesn't stop and we as humans are naturally curious you have like from birth naturally curious little humans something happens either it's school or it's the development of the brain and just like that's what happens to us probably both as i said before but like what do humans do we are always exploring like we're trying to get to mars now why because we want to because we're curious like what's there like i don't know that's like the door to getting to mars requires a whole lot of thinking and like we are constantly testing excuse me trial and error that's like the that's the vertical level of thinking like you got to figure out a way to open the door and that requires like 
testing something out, that didn't work. Okay, why didn't it work? Okay, it didn't. that's the reason why it didn't work. Okay, let's fix that. Let's try this now. Why do we keep trying? Because we just want to know, like, what's on Mars? We just want to do it. Now, not everyone wants to do it, but there are people that want to do it, and we need that as humans. But, final question. How does one become more curious? Uh, I have a scenario, so this is not the house thing. This is a bird. But let's pretend you are walking through the woods. Could be by yourself, could be with someone else. And you see a red bird. In my opinion, there are two options for a thought process when you're walking through the woods and you see a red bird. Person one. And I'm not, I just like to clarify, I'm not necessarily saying that, like, well, I am saying one is better than the other. I'm not saying, like, to be like person one is wrong all the time. But person one and person two, okay? Person one sees a red bird, they ask themselves, what is that? It's a red bird. What kind of bird is that? It's a cardinal. This is what's going on in their brain. And that's it. Like, oh, a cardinal. And they stop. Stop thinking about the red bird, right? So you're walking through the woods. You see like, that's a red bird. That's a cardinal. And then you're done. That's person one. So walking through the woods, see a red bird. That's a cardinal. And then just keeps walking. Person two, walking through the woods. This is their thought process. And this is like the voice in your head that's like trying to understand things. All right. What is that? That's a red bird. What kind of bird is that? That's a cardinal. Why is a cardinal red? Uh, I mean, I don't know exactly why. I mean, I would, I would assume it have to be like something evolutionary, right? Like, but why does being red help it then survive because if it's evolutionary then we know that it's something that's going to help it survive right why does or how does being red help it um i would assume then self that based on my prior knowledge of animals that it could be for finding a mate perhaps like the brighter the male is or the more colorful the male is i mean that makes sense but what about survival i feel like being red doesn't help like it, it's going to stand out right Okay. Uh, yeah, it's true. Maybe it's smart enough to avoid predators or perhaps it's lacking predators. So like it's red because it wants to attract a mate and it's able to survive because there aren't a lot of predators to cardinals or it's just smart. I don't know. I wonder. And then you Google, what are the predators, predators of cardinals? And then you end. That's the thought process for person number two. What's the difference? Both people, person one and person two, saw a red bird. Person one sees a red bird, says, what kind of bird is that? It's a cardinal, and then keeps walking. But person two sees the bird. What kind of bird is that? It's a cardinal. Why is it red? And then it starts thinking, and it's learning more. And not only like after the whole thought process, person two can apply that knowledge that they learned about this red bird to future, future scenarios. So the more creative mind is going to make connections outside of a scenario with the bird. As in like, okay, I know why a cardinal's red or I know about the process that decides what the bird is going to be. That process and that the implications of that applies to a whole lot more than just a bird being red. It's a way for us to understand how the universe works. 
So when you see the red bird and then you ask yourself, why is that bird red? And then you go through that process, that's going to help you understand more than just why a bird is red. And then that is you improving your ability to acquire and apply information because the next time you see something that could be similar, you've already gone through the process of understanding how the universe works. You see the next thing, like, why is that man super wealthy? And then you start going through the process. Now I'm not, it's not, literally not about like the same thing between the bird being red and the man becoming wealthy or the woman becoming wealthy, let's not, or they becoming wealthy. <laughs> if I were to do that, I'd have to go through the whole list. Um, but there is a connection and the creative mind is going to find the connection. And that is because, and that's a creative mind is a curious mind because you're desiring to know and understand how the world works around you. It's not about the bird necessarily. It's about the process of understanding the bird. That, the bird being red, is a representation of how the universe works. And if you can take the time to go through and try to understand why the bird is red, you will understand more about the universe. And for the next thing that you look at, you have a better understanding of how the universe works and it will take less time to understand the next thing. And then you're gonna to start to make connections. Again, the difference between person one and person two was curiosity. Person one, sees the bird, that's a bird, and then keeps walking. Then they're like, that's a tree. That's my car. This is what I do in my car. And like, that's all, all you do is just observe. You just observe and then you're like, that's that. That's that, and you can name everything. That's, and in regards to the essentials for life, like you don't necessarily have to do any more, right? You knowing why a bird isn't red, like that doesn't mean you're gonna, or you, sorry, you not knowing and not thinking about why a bird is red, that doesn't mean that like you're not gonna be able to get food on the table. You don't, in order to survive, which like in the big scheme of things, like that's kind of the point, you don't need to d go through the process that person two went through. You'll survive. But person two sees the bird and they ask questions, why? because they want to know more because they're curious and they're going through the process of thinking and that is improving their intelligence or their ability to think again the red i need to stop i need to stop saying again that's a challenge let's if you're listening count you don't literally don't have to do this but count how many times i say again and then we're going to try to drop that number to its one or two sometimes it's good to say again Sometimes it's necessary. Anywho, the red bird represents many things in our lives. So I would like for you to consider the following. If you heard this, I posted this up on Instagram. Just consider this. We live on a giant rock with water floating around an even larger ball of fire, which is floating around an infinite space. You are a sack of functioning organs held together by bones muscle and skin and obviously more constantly flowing through you is a liquid that is essential for life blood this liquid delivers an invisible gas called oxygen that you've harvested and been holding in your lungs 
All that you are came from one sperm and one egg. You have a brain, and your brain is conscious. Your ears are hearing the sound of my voice. I am sending air out of my body, vibrating muscles, and moving my lips and tongue to make an organized structure of noises to communicate thoughts that are happening in my brain. These organized structures of noises make sense to you, and therefore we are communicating through language. Your brain receives what I'm saying and thinks about it. A voice in your head, which, is it an audible voice? Is it your actual voice? Tells you things about what you're hearing. Your body and mind have woken up after shutting down for, hopefully, eight hours. When your mind and your body wake up, you look outside to see, we'll just pretend, the sky is covered with water vapor, dropping more water onto the ground. This makes you feel certain things, possibly sad, possibly feeling comfortable. You go to a sink. You walk to a sink with your legs and your feet and your toes, and you turn a faucet. Clean water comes out, and you make a cup of liquid filtered through beans. Those beans were harvested in Colombia, and now you have them right now. And because of satellites and the internet, you are listening to a voice, which is making you think. Like, I just said things objectively, right? But like when you really think about it, you are so, and this is because like basal ganglia and autopilot, you are so used to, and we are so used to the things around us that things just become normal. But like the more you actually look at things and the more you think about the things that are right in front of you and that you're looking at, like there's nothing normal about existing and life. Life is entirely bizarre. And everything, for the most part, is like right in front of you, especially with the internet. It's right in front of you and it's existing and you're just walking by it. Because you've walked by it a thousand times. And maybe you just looked at something like, that's a red bird. But like, start to look at something and like, what is that? Why is that there? You have to choose to look at your surroundings and to think about it. You have to choose to be curious. And the more curious you become, the more you start to realize that life is weird. All of this is weird. The universe is an entirely bizarre thing. Like, I play this game with my students a lot. And it's a, I find it to be a fun brain game and it just gets them thinking. Think about something and then just objectively explain it as if you were explaining it to an alien who has never seen it before. Like, pick anything. Like, I'll pick the guitar. Like, well, you got these strings that are lined up. And if I hit a string, it vibrates and it makes, like, frequency and sound. And if I structure my fingers in a certain way and, like, press on the string at a certain point it's going to make a certain note of frequency and if I do that with all six strings it's like that sound of all the six uh, frequencies sounds good to my ear like what's hearing like what are your ears well um, my ears I <laughs> like objectively think about what's happening in your daily life like I said the you turn on a faucet and clean water comes out? Like, what's going on with that? Explain that to someone 
500 years ago. Like, no, you don't got to go to a well. You just turn the faucet and it's clean. And you can actually decide if you want it to be hot or cold. Like, well, how's that work? I don't know. I just do it. Like, think about how that works. It is interesting. The curious mind will look at a faucet and turn it. I'm like, how does that, how do they do that? It's something you most likely do every day. Like, at least showering, let's say every other day, you turn a knob and then water comes pouring out. Like, how does that happen? Learning about how that happens helps you understand not like not the universe necessarily like entire it doesn't you don't crack the code by figuring out how a shower works but you you understand how society works better for sure i think society is so complicated and there's so many variables that like we don't think about it but like for coronavirus happening how it impacts so many other things like you start to realize like how intricate and complicated civilization is Looking at like, all right, okay, so I turned a faucet and water came out. I filled up this thing. I took beans that I didn't grow, but they grew in Colombia. They somehow got to me. I put it in a filter and then out comes coffee and I drink it and it gives me energy. There's so much to break down in that. It should make your head spin. And you just go through and like I do it too. Like I don't think about this every single time I make coffee. But when you make coffee, think about like all the things that had to happen for that to work. And like what it's, you drink caffeine, which is affecting your body. There's so much to it. Take time to think about it. Because it's doing two things. It's broadening your opening doors horizontally, as in throughout your house and the universe. And like you step out of the house and you learn more about Colombia and what's going on there. And then the process of understanding it improves the efficiency of your brain to understand things and we're going to get to that when we get to the understanding and i'm going to talk about how to learn more effectively but it's like a muscle in the sense of you uh, like it's muscle memory right like as in like i'm thinking of ice hockey ice skating is very difficult at first but then you do it and you do it and you do it and then like it's just natural the same thing is true for thinking and learning about something. If you're slow at learning about something, you look at it and you have a really difficult time understanding what it is and then asking the right questions to understand first what it is, but then also like, why is it? How is it? That's a slow process. But the more you look at your surroundings and make sense of everything around you, the quicker when you see something that's new to you, the quicker you're going to be in understanding what it is. Like, oh, okay, you ask the right questions. You know how to understand something more effectively. That is all due to, it's 50% due. 50% is intelligence, your ability to understand something. The next step is curiosity. You are very easily comfortable in the two rooms that you're in you don't need to like my job's a little different because i have i have to learn consistently because i'm teaching so i have to learn about geography and world history and design thinking and other things right you once school's over for you all you have to learn is whatever is required for 
you just survive. So work and then like how to pay bills and other things. And that's it. And you can go through life like that. You can live in the two rooms or the one room. You wake up, you go to the fridge, you grab food and like, that's it. And that's possible. Like you can live your life like person one. I'm here to argue that person two is living a more fulfilling and interesting life. You walk by a piano and some people are more intelligent in regards to music than others. Like some, it's more natural. But you walk by a piano and you say, what is that? You're like, that's a piano. Okay, and you just keep walking. The curious person is going to say like, well, how's a piano work? How do I play the piano? The only way you are going to learn how to play the piano, especially at this stage in our lives, folks, which is why I asked, like, when was the last time you did school? The only way you're going to learn to play the piano or the only way I'm going to learn to play that banjo that's in my room is if I want to. And I'm going to argue throughout this series that becoming more curious is potentially one of the most fulfilling things that we can do because it's natural for humans. Some, at some point in your life, your curiosity dwindled and you stopped wanting to learn more. Perhaps you might be sitting there like, that's not true, I'm curious. Like, okay, cool, good for you, I'm not talking about you. A lot of people, and I observe it for kids that are like 14, 15, 16, life stops becoming interesting. Like, what is up with that? Why did life stop becoming interesting? The only reason is, and like, there's a lot of variables to it. So like, I'll acknowledge, like, you got to put food on the table. So like, maybe you don't have time to learn the piano or the banjo or learn how to rock climb or learn how to cook. But you do have time to think. You have time to observe. If you're list, if you drive to work, you can listen to podcasts and learn more. Why did life stop becoming interesting? It only stopped because you made it, have made it less interesting in your own mind. You've lost the what's the word? You've lost the uh, love for learning. And that when I said like the 14 and 15 year olds, like they are curious, but like you got to spark it for them. I love, and like, this is part of my job is the moment when they've actually learned something, like they remember how fun it was to learn. And like society is like, you're a nerd, like whatever else for learning, like learning is fun. Yeah. Like perhaps like some things are nerdy to learn about, but if it gives you fulfillment, who cares? But like learning hobbies, like how to fly fish, how to play the guitar. I'm saying things that interest me. So if it doesn't interest you, like what interests you? And we're going to get into that when we get an understanding. But being curious opens the door on the ceiling of your mind. It's going to improve your ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. Why? Because you want to. And when you learn about the bird, the red bird, the yellow bird makes more sense. The world makes more sense. Humans make more sense. The way the universe functions makes sense. There is a code. It's not like it's not like 42. Like 
the purpose or the meaning of life isn't 42. But there's a code. It's like an algorithm to the universe. And you can understand it better. You're not going to crack it. But you'll understand it better. And the more you learn how the world works and why things are the way they are, the more efficient you become in thinking and analyzing and the easier life is going to become. Now, there's more to talk about. The next podcast is going to be on objectivity. As in, curiosity is good, but flat earth people are curious. And that's whack. So you have to be objectively curious. You have to have like that scientific inquiry. And not just for like science, but for life. You have to ask questions and you have to be objective in the questions you ask and then objective in how you are responding to the information you are receiving. This is where it's going to start to apply more to acquiring knowledge. We'll get into like acquiring knowledge about politics and other things. But you got to be objective when you're curious. If you are objective when you're curious, that is going to lead to true understanding. And then I'm going to talk about like how there are levels to understanding true understanding as in like you understanding something for what it actually is not what you want it to be but you understand something for what it is that's the universe that's the way listen to the moment podcast you're cracking the algorithm because you're objectively curious once you gain true understanding about something you then reflect and you ask yourself what does this mean for my life what does this mean to me What can I do with this information? That leads to wisdom. And wisdom is your ability to, rather than fight through life, and like you're constantly dragging resistance, where you're like fighting the tide or the wind, rather than working through life, which is necessary, you can flow through life easier because you understand how the universe works. And you, like, you understand, I think, wisdom is in the end what is and is not in your control. And the only way to understand that is to understand what's around you. Those are for later podcasts. So you got homework. And that homework is to, when you are performing actions and we're... If you're listening to this during quarantine time, it might just be in the house. It could be outside of the house. But when you're performing actions, objectively go through what you're doing. As in, like, I wake up, I get out of bed. Let's say I go to the bathroom and I'm going to brush my teeth. Like, what's happening? Okay, I'm taking toothpaste. Like, okay, what's toothpaste? How did I get this toothpaste? Okay, I'm putting on a brush. What's a toothbrush? I'm rinsing or I'm brushing my teeth. Okay, what are my teeth? Right, just go through that. Don't just look at the red bird and say, that's a bird. Don't just look at like, okay, brush teeth. These are my teeth. But like, what are teeth? Why are they like that? Why do you have some pointing teeth? Why do you have some like flat teeth? Why? Go through your normal day and observe and think about the things you're experiencing objectively. And like, you could do it out loud. 
but just think about like, okay, I'm gonna shower now. What's going on here? I am turning a faucet, water's coming out. Okay, what's water? Um, and then just go through it. Things will become a little weird and interesting. Like you're going to start to, it's not really like notice things, you're just gonna notice how bizarre things are. Like, none of this is normal. You're used to it's normal. You're used to the, you you have made it normal, I guess is a better way of saying that. You're used to it's normal. You've made things normal. We've all made things normal. So that's your homework. Be curious. Next episode, objectivity. Peace.